Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Female sexual wellness is more than just bubble bath and spa days. This is why I recommend supplements from Giddy Health. Giddy has libido-boosting supplement for women that contains powerful ingredients like ashwagandha and ginseng, which taken over time has shown to improve libido, mood, and sexual functioning. Visit GiddyHealth.com, that's G-I-D-D-Y Health.com, and use code GIDDY10 for 10% off. Supplements are sexy. About 1% of the world are in open marriages, but up to 20% have tried consensual non-monogamy in their relationships. My followers are very curious about the effects of long-term non-monogamy as well as how does one even get started. So we will investigate it today with the pros. Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara, your favorite sex and relationship expert here at Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. Today with us are pros, Ams and Cat, hosts of the Two Hot Wives podcast, and they are on a mission to help women explore their sexual interests and embrace great sex as the ultimate uh, in self-care. Both Ams and Cat want to change the conversation women have about sex, especially wives and mothers who are looking to reclaim their own sexual selves. As best friends in open marriages, the wives offer a unique girlfriend's guide perspective on partnered sex, including kink, BDSM, swinging, adult vacations. I need to know more about that. And their growing, <laughs> sexy social community. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi, Dr. Tara. So great to see you again. Thank you for being my guest today. I mean, you've been in open marriages for a long time. So I think, you know, out of all my friends that are about my age or younger that have been in open relationships, I feel like you guys have the most life experience. So I really want to hear about this like long-term perspective. Let's start from the beginning. How did both of your open marriages start? Sure. Um, so this is Ams. Uh, both Kat and I have been in long-term monogamous relationships. So we we met our our awesome husbands very young, and uh, the first you know decade plus of that relationship was uh, strictly monogamous. The the kind of relationship you your parents have, or you know what you would expect uh, a regular monogamous relationship to look like. Um, and for Mr. Ams and I, we got to a, a point where some of our dear friends started to get divorces. And one uh, husband walked home one day and his wife had packed up her bags and said, we are just two chauffeurs who like take our kids around to their sports activities. And I don't want to be married to a roommate anymore. And she walked and she just left him. It was such a huge wake up call for the two of us because we didn't, we didn't want that to happen. We love our kids, but we wanted them to go off and have their own adventures and still love being with each other. So in a very drunken conversation that we had about like, how do we recommit to our marriage? We talked about having more fun sexually. And, uh, you know, ultimately we started to explore kink and BDSM and we learned about uh, lifestyle, which is a, a term for, for swinging or ethical non-monogamy. And we started to explore that space. So it's like a very deliberate conversation. We were both super enthusiastic about exploring in that space. And uh, it has been <laughs> quite a ride. That was about four years ago for, for the two of us. Yeah. And Mr. Cat and I, this is Cat. <laughs> um, we've been in the lifestyle more like six years. But uh, for us, we, we've been married over 20 years. We have two kids. Um, and as they get older, we find they don't need us quite as much. But uh, <laughs> well, they do. But um, we started to uh, talk about, you know, wanting our marriage to be more fun. And, and Mr. Cat started sending me erotica. Mm. which was awesome. <laughs> and so he would send me different stories. They're short stories. It's a, a website, X Confessions with uh, Erica Lust. 
And they were all from a, a real people in real marriages. They would write in their stories. So he would send me these all the time and, and uh, I would send him some and they got hotter and hotter and started you know, looking more like non-monogamy kinds of stories. So uh, one day I just asked him about it. I'm like, so is this something you're interested in? He says, I don't know. It just, you know, the, the stories are hot. And he was right. They were hot. So we, um, we started to talk about it and we talked about it for a very, very long time. Uh, and we found this book, Sex at Dawn by uh, Christopher Ryan. And it just, it was the history of relationships and, and it was just kind of amazing. And I think that's what did it for me. It, it really made a lot of sense to me. And so um, we just dipped our toes in and, and uh, went on a very sexy uh, clothing optional kind vacation. of swingers vacation. And yeah, it's been fun ever since. Wow. So that was your first like non-monogamous sex experience was like going on this cruise. No, the cruise, actually, we went on the first cruise last year. Yeah. And we did dip our toes into the lifestyle waters before we went on the, on the um, vacation, the vacation. Okay. But that was really what was like the big, big moment, like bigger than anything we had done before. So um, from the sound of it, it sounds so logical and it has a happy ending and, you know, you both were... Uh, rational people, you sat down and had a conversation and you do not want sexless marriages where you're just roommates and you want that passion. And so you adapted your relationship to kind of fit the modern times. But I want to ask you, yeah, I want to ask you like, so it's not that simple. Right. Well, we had great marriages to begin with. And I think that is the key. If you are not on good footing, if you're not happy like in you your fight marriage all the time. Yeah. This is not for you. And I wouldn't even bring it up, but uh, you know, we had fantastic marriages to begin with. We had communication, we had love and, and respect and, and we enjoyed ourselves being together. So this didn't feel threatening at all. Yeah. I think a lot of people might have the impression that uh, a couple will open up their marriage because they they want to save their marriage or they feel like something is missing or, you know, and bored or right. And uh, I think as I've recently said, you, you don't have a baby to save a marriage and you don't have a threesome to save a marriage. Like that's not, you need to have that solid foundation, great communication, really strong attachment to each other because when you open up your marriage and you see your spouse having sex with someone for the first time, that can be, uh, really jarring for some mm-hmm. people. It can be incredibly hot, a uh, big turn on for a lot of people, but it also can really throw you for a loop. So if you don't have that solid foundation, um, things can go sideways really fast. And we have certainly seen couples freak out, run out of the room, you know, cry, all sorts of stuff can happen. But if you have that strong, solid foundation, what usually happens if you had a, a bad experience is you look at each other and you go, eh, it's just sex. Let's not do that again. And you kind of dust yourself off and move on. Right. When you talk about foundation, are you talking, uh, I'm trying to materialize it into like an example. Is it like you have a really good friendship? I think it's More communication. I think you need to have solid communication. You're, you know, like, for Mr. Ams and I, we have two main principles when it comes to lifestyle. It's it's consent and it's transparency. Mm-hmm. So any decision that we make in the lifestyle, it's two yeses and one no. And if if we're playing around in some space and one of us turns to the other and says, I don't want to do this anymore, there's no argument. There's no complaint. We just get up, grab our clothes, walk out. Um, and, <laughs> and the other is... Tra- <laughs> The other is transparency. So we're really honest with each other. There's no big secrets. There's no hiding what what's happening. Um, we have an open phone rule. I can look at his phone at any time and look at any of his messages mm-hmm. and vice versa. So you can't have dishonesty. You have to have consent. You have to know that your partner can 
pull the ripcord at any time. And, uh, you know, I think the other part that's important to foundation is, is attachment. Um, so if you have, um, you know, really strong, secure attachment with your partner, then you can witness these things and experience these things and not worry that your spouse is just going to get up and leave you. So mm-hmm. if you have insecure attachment, um, then it can be, you have to work on that first before you open up your marriage. Right. It's definitely not for everyone. I mean, Mr. Cat and I operate pretty much the same way. And I think a lot of couples in the lifestyle do. Honesty is really important. Transparency is really important. Um, you know, mutual respect. And mm. and it's really hard to find that four-way connection if you're if you're looking to um, you know, date another couple, go out with another couple and and have a sexual experience, everybody has to be on board with that. Mm. And that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so but that's an important thing too. You know, we have to have respect for each other's wants and desires as well as our own. And we've had, you know, we have a similar experience. We haven't really had any really awful experiences, no. but some that are just, eh, they're okay. And that's all <laughs> yeah. right. Or they're a little not okay, but they're not like it can be fumbly really and okay. awkward, but haven't had anything happen uh, for us that's traumatizing, certainly yeah. not. Yeah. And so- it sparks a lot of conversations about everything about what you we guys like about always what we play together or do you or can you play separately you and your misters your us and our misters um so we can play separately i don't know that that's um that's not universal to swinger culture mm-hmm. um but you know uh the great thing about an open marriage is you you know you basically you and your pa- partner decide whatever rules apply to the two of you are, are, you know, sacred. They are your rules. You don't violate them, but they don't have to be the rules that your priest told you apply to marriage or your parents or your friends or your sisters. The two of you get to decide what those rules are. And so for the two of us, separate play is okay. Um, but it does not work for a lot of uh, couples in open marriages. And for a lot of them, it is a very much a team sport. Right. Not everybody's rules are the same. Within the lifestyle, you have a lot of different play styles. We call it play styles. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's parallel play, there's, there's soft swap, there's full swap, there's separate play, there's all separate kinds room of play. separate room, but same house. At the so same time, you can yeah. have very, very specific rules. And everybody's a little different. What are you guys' rules? (laughs) You know, again, we've been doing this a long time and we've been really successful. Um, So the rules really come down to uh, let me know within 24 hours if something's happening. Right. And don't you think the rules have really changed from when we first started, right? Because we didn't know what we were doing when we first started. But now uh, Mr. Cat and and my rules are very... um, very open, like yeah. very, very fluid. Um, we don't have a lot of strict rules anymore because we have found that we just don't need them. Right. There's but such a he level listens of to me and I listen to him. And so if there's an issue that comes up, we we know it. I mean, we we can see it in each other. And and I would say when we started, and and what I would recommend for anybody who's going from a monogamous relationship to an open relationship is to really establish what rules are and aren't okay. We had, I swear to God, three levels of rules when we started. So there were the tenets, which is that, you know, consent and transparency. There were rules, which are, you know, these are the rules of engagement. We, for a long time, we were only soft swap, which means no penetrative sex of any sort. Um, before that, even we were parallel play. So uh, Mr. Ams and I would play together in a room with another couple, but there wasn't, you know, any kind of swapping that happened. Um, so we had rules like that in place and we would revisit those every once in a while and see if we were ready to get rid of any. And then you'd have boundaries for like a night or a experience. So you might say, all right, we're going to this house party. Um, are you okay if I leave the room and and I'm in a different room when you're playing? Are you okay if I play with someone and, and you don't play with their partner? So you might establish you know, what, what the rules are for a specific experience. Mm-hmm. And 
like it gets easier, but when you start, you should be having that level of conversation before you engage in play. Right. And I would say, you know, Mr. Cat and I didn't have a lot of rules when we first started either. Uh, we, we joke <laughs> around jumped, about it between us. In. We were like the complete opposite. We just jumped in, not really knowing a whole lot about rules and boundaries and, and all of these things. But we made them up as we went along and we had a great time. And we sure. were, you know, it, it just depends on the couple. I think Amsway is probably better, you know, uh-huh. to have some really, really good foundations. But Mr. Cat and I just, you know, decided that we weren't going to get upset overly upset about anything that might happen. We're just going to have conversations about it. And that's what we've done. Anything that happens that one of us doesn't like, we understand that the other person is not intending for us to have a a, a bad time or a, a, an experience that's not great. And so when you think about what the intentions are, it's very easy to just say, well, let's not do that again. And it's, it's simple. Uh, we we've we've done well without a sure. lot of rules, but you know. Well, and and you know we try to provide sort of like swinger best practices, but we have we know many many couples who got drunk one night and had a threesome with a friend, and that was like there was no conversation, there was no anything. Sometimes that turns out into a being a total shit show. And sometimes that's what they needed to have the conversation. They just needed to kind of jump in, in the deep end and then get out of the pool and say, what the fuck did we just do? What do we do with this? And that's how the conversation started. I don't recommend it because it really can go either way, but I know plenty of couples that, that Mm -hmm. were not particularly deliberate in how they started and they're still successfully managing their open marriage. Uh, I have a feeling that like communication first is a safer way to go. However, like you said, it's so individualized. And for some couples, it's like action based. And after Mm -hmm. they've done something, they're like, oh, fuck, like, you know, that was intense and we should talk. So it really is like a catalyst for that conversation. So I can totally see that. What I realize is that we are constantly talking about the relationship. We are constantly talking about the relationship. And I don't know a lot of marriages that do that, where we're constantly examining what our relationship is. How do you feel? How do you feel? It's it's a it's kind of a, a great thing to just be able to focus on the two of you together and and what's important to both of you. But we are talking all the time. Yeah. You you cannot take your relationship for granted. Um, because you are operating on a totally unique set of rules. So, you know, I, I, you probably know plenty of, of couples, especially after they have kids. So like they, they just take each other for granted. They expect that person's going to be there. If you open up your marriage, you cannot take your spouse mm-hmm. for granted. Um, because there are a lot of people who think your spouse is really, really hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that is awesome. When I look across the room and I see Mr. Cat talking to three women and he's smiling and they're all smiling at him. I'm like, yep, that's my guy. Right. He's awesome. And I know how lucky I am. And I think he feels the same way. Yeah. You know, we really, we see each other in, in other people's eyes. Uh-huh. through other people's eyes. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys have all these men that want to fuck you, obviously. And there, there's a fair few. Uh-huh. And all, and your misters are like, Ooh, yeah, I have a hot wife, like two hot wives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I, I have a, I have a tough question. So you've, you guys have had sex with other people. Have you fallen in love with other people? The- no. Not really. Not not in the way that you're saying. Like I love Ams and mm-hmm. I love Mr. Ams. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm in love with my husband. I'm uh, that's really an interesting question because love is a big, big thing. I mean, I love my kids, I love my grandma. Yeah. I think <laughs> I love main... them more than, you know, just a friendship, but it, it's not the same. I think yeah. the main concern we, that a lot of people may have, or not necessarily a concern, but they think it's the part that is inevitably going to come, is that you're going to have sex with other people, and then one day you're going to fall in love with this one other person, you're going to leave your partner. Uh, have you ever heard of this particular fear? Uh, of course, sure. absolutely. That's well, jealousy and and fear of abandonment, right, are the biggest yeah. concerns that a lot of people have. Um, you know, we it's interesting. We did an episode in season three called Swally, which uh, we started. Um, so, so there's a lot of different ways to have an open marriage. Swinging 
or a lifestyle, it tends to be really focused on um, making sexual connections, physically intimate connections with other couples. Um, And some swingers are very, very afraid of feelings. Mm -hmm. So they'll have really strict rules. There's even something called the slut protocols, which are supposed to be a, a set of rules or guidelines that you can follow to avoid imprinting on a sexual partner. Um, and that's that's fine if it makes a couple feel safe to kind of keep um, emotional intimacy out of the relationship. Cool. Um, but polyamory is, uh, you know, uh, people who are consider themselves polyamorous, they look for emotionally intimate connections. Sex is secondary to that. They're really looking to expand their amorous connections, the people that they love. Um, and I think to Kat's point, love is a very big word and it means a lot of different things. Um, what I liked about this term swally, which we didn't make up, but but it's this idea of um, something that's a little bit in the middle of swing culture versus polyamorous culture, where you develop really deep connections with your play partners. Some of them can be quite emotionally intimate. And in fact, we have friends in our community who are not sexually intimate with, but we're very like they're really, really, really close friends. There's strong emotional intimacy. So, you know, love falling in love. Uh, that's like such a monogamous type Mm -hmm. concept because you're tying it to this idea of happily ever after and like riding off into the sunset. Um, And, and uh, obviously I deeply love Mr. Ams and I'm never going to leave him, but you know, I feel like I have room in my heart to feel very deep levels of intimacy with, with other people. And I don't think that takes away from my primary relationship. Wow. What are you guys is perfectly? Uh, I know that was, <laughs> that was beautiful. Exactly right. Like, uh, exactly right. That should be an audiobook. <laughs> there you go. What are you guys' uh sexual orientation? Do you play with women too, or are you heterosexual? I think we're mostly, well, I'll speak for myself, mostly heterosexual. There okay. are moments when I, I I feel like, wow, she's really hot. Or, you know, we have an experience that maybe includes um some touching and and that kind of thing. But on the Kinsey scale, I yeah. think I'm more like a one. Okay. You know, one, but you know, it's so, situational. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. <laughs> Dr. Tara, have you heard of the Kinsey scale? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um Yes, it's like uh, zero to six, zero being completely heterosexual, six being completely homosexual. Um, I, yeah, I'm probably like a a, a two. Um, so, and I would, that seems to be a really common place for a lot of lifestyle women to mm-hmm. reside is like a little bit by curious. Um, you know, if you engage in group sex activities, there tends to be a lot of incidental touching that occurs. And most people who are lifestyle people, especially the women are really comfortable with the idea of just sort of incidental touching. Right. And if you think about how we relate to each other anyway, when two women see each other, they get big hugs and kisses and, oh my gosh, I missed you so much. And they're very close to each other. And so it's very natural to just, you know, touch your friend, touch another woman in a, you know, a, a semi-sexual intimate way, way, an intimate way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just comes yeah. naturally or, or not, you know, yeah. I'm just sort of flexible. <laughs> yeah. I think hetero flexible is a very common term nowadays, uh, especially right. like college kids. They'll say they're like hetero flexible. Um, yeah, I actually feel like that's the default for 20 somethings is yeah. to identify like it, that um, heterosexual is almost seen as like aggressively non-homosexual. <laughs> so heteroflexible is like cool, like a cooler term to me. <laughs> like, yeah, bro. Like I'm heteroflexible, you know, we can have, we can have a foursome, like, you know, we can have our dicks touch each other. I'm not going to fuck you, but we can- yeah, right. Yeah, yeah pretty much. And you know, we can, uh, hang out. Uh, it's so interesting to me because, uh, as you know, I'm, I would identify, I, sometimes I feel more heteroflexible. Sometimes I feel like a bisexual because I am turned on by like female parts. And uh, I, I mean, I love vulvas and I think they're very sexy. Uh, what do you think has been like the most beneficial uh, thing ever since you started uh, opening up your marriage? 
I'll say that just overall feeling of being alive, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I I I see a lot of people that just, you know, they're going through the motions. They're chauffeuring their kids around to different activities. Mm-hmm. They're going to the grocery store, they're cooking dinner, they're sitting in front of the TV for hours. When you open up your marriage, it, it just if it feels like you're alive. When we go to events and we meet new people, everybody's excited. Everybody's happy to see you. You just, it, it just fills you with just that more joy. Joy. Yeah. yeah. I, I like to think of it like um, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz stepping out yes. of the house and everything is in technicolor. Like it really just brings such an, a high level of joy. And this is super cliched if you've ever talked to a swinger, but it does make like your marriage can be so much better that the ability to grow um, as a couple and to have amazing sex together as a couple. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I feel like Mr. Cat truly treats me as a partner. Mm-hmm. who has the same desires and wants and needs as he has. He sees me as a sexual being instead of his his wife, his mm-hmm. his property or his you know his sexual partner just and like that's mother, it. mother of yeah. Yeah. just like mother yeah. of the children. Yeah. yeah. I feel I like a, lot a true of, uh, partner. That's beautiful. And I think a lot of uh, women uh, like middle-aged women may feel like they're just moms. Yep. Absolutely. It's such a, you go through such a huge shift in your identity when you become a mother and uh, getting back to feeling like a sexual being. I I mean, God love the women who are like still nursing and, and out there having awesome sexual adventures. I wasn't ready for that when, when I was a mother to young children, but eventually they do grow up. They wipe their own asses. They go off to college and like, you're, you are still a whole person without them and you should be a sexual person. That is a really big part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with particularly with women, uh, what I've seen statistically is a lot more men are interested in opening up their marriages and a lot fewer wives and women. Uh, what, what, what do you say to that? I think a lot of times it's the men maybe who come up with the idea to begin with, but it's the women who drive the experiences and the the whole thing. I mean, if we're not on board, it's not going to happen. And what we normally find, or at least what I have found, is it's the women who are excited about all of it. Um, it's it's like uh, discovering, you know, that you have this whole other person inside you that you can be a a, a person that that cares about your own joy and your own physical, uh, enjoyment. And it's just, it's liberating. I also think a lot of women have trouble, uh, accepting themselves as sexual creatures. And so they're, they're not out like looking for sex content. They're not doing the research because they just, they're not like giving themselves permission to seek it out, even if they're curious about it. So oftentimes men are the ones who are more open about it, are, are, you know, more communicating about exploring it. Um, and, and, you know, some, sometimes they give their, their partners a little bit of a, a nudge, um, to, to start to explore, um, especially if they find a safe space, like a cool podcast that they like, uh, with content that they like, you know, they'll, they'll go to their, their wives or their partners and say, Hey, you should check this out. Maybe this is something you're interested in. Definitely check out two hot wives. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I, I want to, uh, go back to the beginning a little bit because we had started talking about your experiences and I felt like it was, it it felt very comfortable. Um, but I want to dig a little deeper. Was there a, a time where it was very uncomfortable and unchallenging? When we first started out, I mean, we we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so that was a little challenging, trying to figure out what what we wanted and what we were looking for. And, and, you know, you go on several dates in the beginning that don't turn out so good because you don't know what you're doing. And you're not... Um, you know, you're not 
clued into what the things are to look for, right? So uh, we had a couple of dates that didn't go so well, um, not play experiences. You usually don't, I mean, we don't go into that right away. Um, so yeah, there's challenges that way. Um, we didn't really have challenges in the department of like jealousy and and things like that in the beginning, because it seemed like we were both sort of fumbling through it and we were laughing about ourselves, <laughs> like laughing at ourselves, literally, um, just, you know, with the situations that would come up. But um, the challenge for us was just figuring out where we fit in and what what we both wanted. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've had some challenges. <laughs> I mean, it's all been... Um, good and wonderful and definitely like five steps forward and one step back. Um, but, uh, once we decided to really get going, Mr. Ams and I don't tend to do anything, um, halvesies. <laughs> um, we really sort of jumped into a lot of experiences. And I think, um, at one point I realized, Oh goodness, I have no idea what I want sexually. And I would have these experiences with, partners who I didn't know very well, and they wouldn't be so great. And I would think, oh, it feels kind of awful to have bad sex with somebody I don't know and I don't care about. Um, So I've better figure out really, really fast what I like and what I don't like, because I'm not going to be with a partner who knows me and loves me and can read my body language and, and make sure that I have a great experience. So I had to learn you know, pretty quickly how to figure out what my own desires were and how to communicate them to new partners. Mm-hmm. But until that happened, there was, you know, a fair amount of like pretty lousy sex with almost strangers. And I didn't like that, to be honest. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty because it's like casual sex, right? For uh, listeners that are single, that mm-hmm. are actively dating and having casual sex. It's like new people every time. And they're not right. that great at understanding your body. Well, and the model for uh, swinger culture is really like you go on a first date and you talk and you decide whether you like each other. And if there's a spark, then the second date is the play date. Mm-hmm. And we, that's really a difficult way to navigate because I would be like, well, I don't know. I just barely met him. I'm not sure, honey. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And then how do you, how do you progress through that? Yeah. So what we do now more is uh, we've created sort of a a large community where we're hanging out all the time socially. Mm -hmm. So uh, a couple that we might be interested in, we've met with them three or four times and we've talked and we've gotten to know each other. And then when we go out to dinner, we already know each other quite well. And and we're already, you know, maybe flirting a little bit. And it's a totally different experience now than when we first started. Definitely. Do you guys usually invite them to your place or you go to theirs or do you go to a hotel? Oh, everybody's different. I mean, for some people, um, discretion, you really can't be anonymous in this day and age. Like that's impossible. But uh, discretion is really important for a lot of people. So they might not share their last name. They might not have people over to their house. They might want to meet at a hotel. They might say they live in a part of town. That's not the part of town they really live in. Um, and all of that is fine. If it makes you feel safe in exploring, um, <laughs> for Mr. Hams and I were like, come on over to the house. We'll make, you know, cocktails. Uh, but everybody's different. Mr. Cat and I, in the very beginning, we had, we didn't tell people our last name and we uh, always went to a hotel. Actually, we still do <laughs> because we, our house is just not going to work, you know, for hosting. But mm-hmm. um, we were very worried in the beginning about like our jobs and what if people found out. And uh, over time, though, we've realized that, you know, no one here wants to hurt you. And we're all in the same sort of fun situation and we're all having a good time. And you start to relax those things a bit. But in yeah. the beginning, you know, it's very hard to imagine, you know, being out. Well, and I'll tell you, like culturally in the last six years, right? When you guys started Mm -hmm. or even four years when we started, it's becoming more and more culturally acceptable. You see it referenced Mm -hmm. in media and movies and television more and more. So I think five years from now, it's going to be a non-issue. Yeah, I agree. Love that (laughs) (laughs) non-issue. And... uh, how does it feel to be on the like forefront really of um speaking up about this and having a media channel about it 
Um, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious first, to see what your answer is going to well, be. Well, <laughs> at first, you know, I wasn't used to talking about sex and talking about, and I would whisper things. And sometimes I still do, yeah. you know, like, oh, he touched my pussy. You know, <laughs> you know I, I'll whisper certain things. And I think that's just the world we've grown up in, right? We never, ever talk about sex. I mean, I'm very close to my vanilla girlfriends. We don't talk about sex. No. <laughs> but Ams and I talk about sex all the time and it's, it's, it's taken some time mm-hmm. to get there, you know, but we've said from the beginning, we're not pros. We're not experts. We're amateurs. We don't re- necessarily know what we're doing. We're trying things. We're experiencing things and we're reporting back how it goes. That's it. So well, you're pros great. in my opinion. Sometimes it's not. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. We, we try, we, we really, we research we, you know, try to pick topics that are relevant, that that people are going to care about, that women are going to care about, and that we care about. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really exciting to be in the vanguard of social change. And I do think that we can put content out there and it is better received by women, by men, by wives, by singletons. Um, now than it would have been four or five years ago. So I, I'm really grateful mm-hmm. that we live in a world where this is changing and that we can kind of elevate the conversation and for the most part, get really positive responses back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so now that you were, you were talking a little bit about how like making these content to help women feel more comfortable in their sexuality. So why is open marriage great for women? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Hard to completely unpack. But I think that um, the first thing I discovered in uh, opening up my marriage and having multiple partners was um, positive affirmation. So Mr. Ams and I have been together my entire adult life. I know that he loves me and he says, you know, how beautiful and great I am, but he kind of has to, right? I had two kids. He watched them pop out of my vagina. Like he has to say all of those things, but to hear that from new partners, um, how beautiful they think you are, how you just see it in their eyes, how much they want you that positive affirmation, especially as I'm trying to reclaim myself as a sexual person after being a wife and a mother and all the other things that I am, it, was amazing positive reinforcement in building up that sexual identity. So that was was the first thing for me. Yeah. I feel the same way. Just that boost in confidence Mm -hmm. is incredible. And, and also your man is looking at you going, wow, all the guys think she's hot. (laughs) I think she's hot too, but it kind of brings an awareness to them as well. Like I know for me, I'm going to give Mr. Cat all my best because Mm. I want him to know like, no matter who's flirting with you, I'm your girl and I'm going to take care of you always. And I think that kind of turns the other way as well, where I feel his love for me very strongly because he wants, he, he knows he wants to keep me. He he wants to keep me happy. Yes. Happy wife, happy life, happy wife, happy life. And (laughs) as we've discovered what we want and what we like sexually, it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah. It, it does. Some people are a little creeped out by the fact that we use the word play to describe sex. And I get that. But part of um, what that word is meaning to convey is this um, joyful discovery of new things that that children experience and adults kind of forget to experience. And so, you know, being able to learn new things about your body, learn it. Like we did an episode on squirting and I was able to, you know, make myself squirt for the, not the first time, but, but where I got to control it. And like this, this feeling of discovery, um, uh, is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's it's, and I feel like guys get it too, but I see it more in women. I see like a bigger evolution of thinking about sex in women in the lifestyle than I do in men. When we get together at parties, you know, when I would go to a vanilla party, it's all the women are in one room and the men are all in the other room. And you're talking about your kids and it's not about you or them at all. It's all about who you take care of and what you do for other people in this environment. The women and the men are intermingled completely. You're talking to men and women at the same time in the same group. 
everybody's happy, everybody's excited, and they're not asking you what college is your kid going to or what what sport is your child doing or, you know, it, none of that. They're saying like, what would you do last weekend? Where did you go? That sounds like so much fun. They're yeah. caring more about you as a person. And it's just, it's been incredible. Yeah. Wow. That sounds powerful. The That like the room that you just described. I've been to so many parties where it's like that. The men yeah. in one room talking about sports and then the women in the other room talking about their kids. And it's not about them as humans, as sexually mm-hmm. active women, like humans. It's uh, that's powerful. You know what I've noticed, too? You talk about the men talking about sports. Our men do not talk about sports. <laughs> they talk about sex. Yeah, they they are. You know, if you have a guy who's super into sports, he's not super into sex. Right. Mm. Or maybe he is. But what I'm saying is, like, when you put your energy into something, you research it, you look at it, you think about it, you ask questions, and you get better and better yeah. at it, right? Yeah. So my my husband does not know the football stats, but he knows my body. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows the, you know, he knows how to please a woman. Yeah. Ooh. He cares about that because he cares about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sex is my sport. Exactly. You know, that's right. It's a leisure activity and we've all gotten so fucking lazy about our leisure activities. Like sex, you get better with practice. You get better with research. You get better, like, like doubles tennis, right? Mm -hmm. You get better playing with other partners. Like I, what I see in lifestyle community is people who are willing to put in the time and the effort to be better at sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. And I also love when, you know, throughout the episode, you verbalize like how committed you are to your misters, like, you know, swinging and having sex with other people. This whole non-monogamy situation is not about just like, oh, fuck this. Like, I'm going to go fuck other people. Like both of you consistently say how much you are committed to your misters and making sure they are sexually happy and emotionally Mm -hmm. happy. And that's, and that's just beautiful. And I think there is a misconception that when you open your marriage, it's kind of like, well, fuck you. Now I can go do whatever I want. And I hope that the listeners can easily tell from what you're describing that it brings people closer together or people that are already in a solid relationship um, mm-hmm. sure. closer together and and allow you to be a human, like just a person too, an individual exactly. with like a set of needs and desires and exploration. Uh, that's so, so cool. So I bet now that people have listened to this whole episode, they're probably like, eager to hear what your advice would be in terms of bringing it up. You know, uh, let's say the listeners are in their long-term relationship or marriage. How can they even bring it up? Well, I would say before you ever think about bringing it up, take a step back and look at your marriage. What are you, are you doing everything that you could be doing to show your love, to show your attention? Are you working on your marriage in a, in a proactive way to make it the best that you can without this. That's the first step because everything else falls, falls flat. Everything else, you know, will not be successful if you don't do that first. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about sex, you should have a conversation when you're not in the bedroom, (laughs) you know, it's always a good idea to have that conversation, uh, not in bed, that, you know, with him inside you is a bad time to start a conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I would keep it really open-ended. I would keep, you know, the questions focused on pleasure and fantasy and exploration, knowing that um, you will always have to move at the lowest common denominator. So if you have what's Typical, right? Whenever you have two people with sexual interests, you're going to have a certain amount of of desiring compatibility. Somebody wants to have sex more. Somebody wants to have sex less. Somebody's into, you know, bondage play. Another person's a little bit scared about that. So there's, you know, you have to figure out where there's overlap in your relationship. Um, and I would say, don't be afraid to stay within the realm of fantasy for as long as it takes um, until both people feel not only comfortable, but enthusiastic about exploring something. So if you have an interest in um, uh, some kind of consensual non-monogamy, a threesome is probably the most 
you know, common fantasy, but group sex is a common fantasy. Couple swapping is a common fantasy. So if you have a conversation and you're asking your spouse, Hey, what is it that you think about when you're masturbating or what is it, you know, what are the things that turn you on and then shut the fuck up and let that person talk and tell you like what their fantasies are, they're going to give you a chance for you to, to share your own fantasy, find the area of overlap, start to explore that. Just the two of you, if you, you know, have a group sex fantasy, maybe you're putting porn on in the background while the two of you guys are playing and it's a group sex scene and you guys can talk with each other and play with each other while you're watching it. Or you just dirty talk with each other about how amazing it would be to see him or her with somebody else. Um, So start in that realm. Mm -hmm. And then if you get really curious about looking for it in real life, honestly, my best suggestion is to check out the the lifestyle podcasts because they're going to tell you all the different resources where you can um, actually find people who might be potential play partners. Right. And you can always, like, if you pass all of those, uh, my, uh, those um, steps, steps, sorry. Um, if you pass all of those steps and you actually want to try something in real life, I would suggest you go to a sex club or something where it's a big kind of open thing where you're not being, you're not being uh, scrutinized for what you're doing or what you're not doing, um, you know, you can be free to to check out the scene, dance, have some cocktails, see what people are up to, talk to people. Yeah, I don't like the clubs, but I don't think they're a terrible place to start. Well, I don't like, I don't have sex in the clubs. But yeah, yeah, I, I like the some, some of the, <laughs> but just to check yeah. it out, just to check it out and see, you know, is this something that's interesting to me? Yeah. Yes, uh, most. Um, uh, lifestyle clubs or sex positive clubs or dungeons, um, there's never a requirement to participate in sex. So if you just want to see what it's about, you can go and you can just some, to a lesser or greater extent, you can watch some clubs and some dungeons will have very uh, strict rules around like lurking. So you want to follow the rules of the space that you're in, but you never have to play if you don't want to, or you can just play with your partner, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So it is a way that you can explore what that community looks like. It's just a very small slice of like what's out there. So right. don't judge the whole lifestyle community right. on a sex club. Because we hang out, we have barbecues, we go to a, a like a bar and grill and we have like a meet and greet and it's very um, we're all clothed, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, we do a lot of what you would consider vanilla things, social things together. So it's not always like a sex club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, we don't, you know. yeah. Go to a bar, have a drink, tear each other's clothes off. I mean, that can happen, but right. that is not like the sum total of the lifestyle right. culture. Right. So I'm going to give you a tougher situation to help solve. Um, mm. let's say this is a married couple. And the husband is has been listening to two hot wives and is totally down and is trying to, you know, opening open up the conversation with the wife. Let's say they have had the first conversation. The wife is like, absolutely not. I will not yeah. tolerate this. This is not something that I would ever do. If you are dying to do this, then we should get a divorce. But if you want to be together. This is absolutely not for me. Um, let's say they come to you. What advice would you give them? Would we give the guy? You're kind of out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. You can't convince her. You don't want to talk her into it. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to push her to do something she doesn't want to do. I mean, we have a lot of episodes that have nothing to do with swinging, like role play. I mean, you could, you could, you're going to have to figure out a way to make yourself okay with some of the other things that you can do to to spice up your sex life without including non-monogamy. And then, you know, who knows? So here's the little tiny silver lining to that cloud, because Kat is absolutely right. There's no way to convince a partner to open up a marriage. This is, as we said, it's all about consent. And it's, you know, and it's all about honesty. So if you lay your soul bare to your partner and say, I really want to try this. And they say, not if you want to stay married to me, you have to accept that answer. But what I would say is um, most no's when it comes to sex might be a not yet. 
and life is long and, and there are so many ways that you can explore your sexuality. Um, what I, again, where I would start with that couple where she's put her foot down and said, no fucking way. I would start to, um, look at exploring just the two of you. How can you bring this into your bedroom in the form of fantasy, erotica, pornography, a mirror going, going to a club and just playing with each other. Like there are ways that you can get the feel of a lot of novelty of a lot more people involved in your sex life, a sex life without actually having sex with those people. Mm -hmm. So that's, but I wouldn't do it in a pushy way. I would give your partner as much time as they need to think about it. And I would start with where is their mutual interest? Just the two of us. This has been an illuminating conversation and I've personally (laughs) learned so much from both of you. So thank you so much. Uh, The last segment of my show is called Hot or Not with Dr. Tara. Well, sometimes it's called 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara, but today we're going to go Hot or Not with Dr. Tara. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a word and you you guys just let me know, hot or not. Oh, we might not agree. That's true. We do not always (laughs) agree. agree. I love that. I love that. Lay it on us. All right. I love it. Uh Okay. Let's go. Number one, role play. Hot. Uh, Hot ish. (laughs) Number two, BDSM. Hot. Hot. Yeah. Number three, foursome. Hot. Hot. These are easy. Yeah, I thought this was going to be challenging. (laughs) Oh, number four, ball gag. Not hot. Not. No. I'm not into that. (laughs) No, not. Well, can can I I ask why? (laughs) It hurts my jaw. Like it really, uh, maybe it's been a too big a ball gag, but like we've tried it a couple of times. It really hurts my jaw. I don't, I don't, I, I like a really comfortable version of BDSM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little choking, a little spanking, fluffy yeah, handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I like to breathe too. <laughs> so I feel like I can't breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Number five, consensual non-consent. Hot. hot. Super hot. Yeah. Very Number- hot. Number six, nudist resort. Hot. Hot. Number oh, yeah. seven. Definitely hot. Number seven, pegging. Ooh. Uh, Depends. I, you know, that's a, like, I, I would say not in that I've never tried it right? with a partner. I've never had a partner who's expressed interest for it. But, you know, I'd be down to try it. Who knows? I agree. I would do it. If if my partner really was into that and wanted to explore that, I would do it. Sure. And who knows? You ask us that question after yeah. something like that, we might say hot. That's right. That's All right. right. I know. love the flexibility. <laughs> Number eight, yeah. his play. Not hot. Not, <laughs> not hot. I mean, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, uh, but that that is not for me. No. You don't no. want anyone to piss on your face? No. no. <laughs> No, no, I, no. Again, back to you. I had kids. It's already happened. It was oh, not yeah, hot. Right. They already <laughs> pissed on your face. <laughs> uh, well, uh, close. Yeah. Yeah, boy. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number nine, blowjobs. Hot. Hot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you have to like figure out how to make it pleasurable for you. I think so many women um, watch porn and they're like, oh, I'm just going to stick it in the back of my throat until I'm almost vomiting. And that's really hot. <laughs> That's not hot for me, but if you, you know, find ways to like, you like it. (laughs) I like it. I like it because I feel, I feel like I'm powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I'm, I'm giving them pleasure and I, I love to look up at their eyes and their face and just see their expression. And I love to tease. I I love it. Yeah. I really like it. I've I've found a position where I can use a Hitachi wand while I'm giving a blowjob. And I'm like, oh yeah, blowjobs are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Someone told me about like creating that connection in your brain where you give a blowjob and you put a vibrator in your clit so that you continuously tell your brain that it's like pleasurable because there's this connection. So like, uh, <laughs> blowjobs become more pleasurable literally oh, in the yeah. brain. I that that like the Pavlov's version of a blowjob. I absolutely bet that's true. When when I get a give a blowjob, I get wet. I get excited. So there you go. There's no stimulation on my clit at the time, but I mean I could, but 
Yeah. I don't I, need it. I like to reserve one hand for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last but not least, number 10, porn. Uh, sometimes, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely hot, um, but there's a lot that's not. Exactly. So, it, I mean, it's that's like books. Well, yeah, there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of shitty books out there. There's a lot of fantastic. I personally love like high production, fake as shit, 90s porn. That's not everybody's thing, but that's what I like. Well, and in, in this season, I've discovered bondage porn, which yeah, which uh, cracks Mr. Cat up. He like, but he, he also thinks it's hot. So mm. yeah, um, yeah. Mm, I used to, hot. when I was uh, a teenager, I used to love watching fingering porn. And I think oh, it's there like, it has led me to this obsession of like, you know, fingering and, and having sex with someone who's really good at fingering. But then I have mm-hmm. recently um, came across like this uh, lesbian porn where, you know, it will first be two women kind of like just making out and, you know, play with the nipples and stuff like that. And then like a man will join later. So like hmm. it's a threesome porn, but it starts with it starts very sensual and it's just the two women and then like the man will join and then it will turn into like a very much more sensual threesome uh, that I had learned to like. There you go. So uh, this is a little funny aside. Um, I was watching bondage porn and then the other, day. <laughs> the other day and then I looked up lesbian bondage porn. They're much, um, it's much more sensual where the yeah. guy is spitting, spitting on the girl. The the lesbians don't do that. Lesbians don't spit not on Not really. No, yeah. not that I noticed. No. Yeah. But it was much more like sensual. And then I had Mr. Cat watch it with me. There you go. Yeah. There and it go. was like, see, see the difference? Love it. Yeah. Love it. Better storyline. Okay. Yeah. Before you go, uh, for each of you, what would be the one thing that you want everyone to try? Ooh. Ooh. Everyone or everyone? Like lollipops. <laughs> um, uh, I, I would want everybody to try sensual massage that moves into more sexual experience. I, what we did is um, we took turns giving each other a massage and the other, um, the other participants did the, did the massaging. And so we had a rule that you couldn't touch anything super sexual until like at least 45 minutes okay. so that you really got a real massage. And so you had a six-handed massage Ooh. where your whole body was just incredibly turned on and excited. And then you they could touch you and start the sex because men will want to give you a massage, but they don't actually give you a massage. Yeah. They're just waiting <laughs> to have sex with you, you know. But if you yeah. tell them, don't touch me here, here, and here until at least a half an hour, 45 minutes, mm. then they have a, a framework that, that makes it work. And if your best friend is there policing them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> really, that's right. That's You're right. like, no touching her. No touching it's her. right. 45 that's minutes. Right. <laughs> and then it becomes just a really fun sexual experience one. after that. And we took turns doing that. So it wasn't like anybody got, you know, yeah, everybody got a yeah, turn. Everybody got a turn. So I'm going to do a real like back to basics one and say lube. I don't care how wet you are. I don't care if you're a squirter. I don't care if you're a man. Lube should be on everybody's nightstand. It makes sex better for everybody. Yeah. Find the lube that works for you. Find five or six that work for you and use it during sex all mm-hmm. the time. I but- agree absolutely love lube especially the warm ones i mean it just feels so good and i hope that this can help more people realize like it's not about the ego it's not about like oh no i can get her super wet uh you know Mm -hmm. we don't need lube because like i get my woman super wet no bro like it's not about you it's not about like the ego of two people is just about what's the best to enhance the experience. And I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Like lube is just amazing. Like it feels so good. And our bodily liquids just is not as smooth as silk as lube. Right. Yep. That, that's right. And if you want to, if you want to have sex multiple times a day, if you want to have sex more than the American average, which is something like four and a half minutes, if you want to like have a really great sex life, lube is going to protect your body from like micro tears and, and bruising and other issues so that you can get back in the saddle even faster. So yes, lube is a Love performance it. enhancing product. Love that. Okay. Where can my followers find you? 
Uh, so we are the two hot wives. You can find our podcast anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our website is the number two hotwives.com. Our Twitter handle is the number two hot wives. And Instagram, Instagram is two hot wives podcast. Love yep. it. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you, Dr. Thank Tara. You for having us. It was great. All right, my loves, thank you so much for listening till the end of the episode. Let me know how you feel about this episode. I love to hear from you. And per usual, have an orgasmic day. I'm all about being sexual and in the moment. This is why I orgasmically recommend the Pulse Warming System. Pulse dispenses warm lube with just a swipe of your hand so you can get right back into action which my partner and I love. So toss that sticky lube bottle and get the pulse warming system and have an orgasmic play. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love, Bites. Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.